1: Hello and welcome to another mini episode of Dear Prudence. I am your host, Daniel Mallory Ortberg. This show is for you, our Plus subscribers. This week, my guest is Sandy Allen. She's an author and the host of a new podcast called Mad Chat. And now, on with the mini show. Uh, I, I think I often get letters from people who are facing the prospect of a family member who is either facing jail time or dealing with serious addiction issues and has kids that they can no longer care for. Um... I feel like I hear from that particular person in that situation a lot. Like I don't usually hear from the person who's about to lose custody of their kids. Mm -hmm. And on the one hand, I can really appreciate and understand when somebody says, I don't think I'm going to be able to parent uh, a couple of children from a really like challenging environment. So I have a lot of sympathy and compassion for that. But I also think I find sometimes the way that they refer to those people really difficult for me. Yes. Like there's just – there's – Uh, There's some language even in here that I deleted that just often has to do with, like, whether or not that kind of person should be allowed to have children, which is just, you know, you got to call eugenics eugenics. Um, And I just, you know, I just I think that any time you get into the language of, like, because this person behaves really badly um, or has a history of drug addiction or has committed a crime, they should not – you know, continue to have the human right to decide whether or not you want to have children. Absolutely. And I just think you got to draw a really big line between like this person's behavior is awful or they have mistreated their children and they are losing custody. And I think that's appropriate. But then when it pushes into language of whether or not they should be allowed to have reproductive autonomy, you know, just in general, don't do that is my take.
0: I didn't know that that was in, you know, like it's not in the version I'm seeing, but I think that what you're alluding to, that sort of attitude is very present here and it Mm -hmm. definitely is a problem. But we should read the letter.
1: Yeah, no. Yeah. Sorry, because I realized I was just thinking about this before I wanted to dive in, which is I don't always know what to do with that language. I usually edit it out um, in Mm. part because I think uh, it's not um, it usually doesn't give me any clues as to how to give better advice except maybe yeah you probably wouldn't be a good parent to to these kids if that's your attitude towards anyone um who's ever dealt with addiction but uh, yeah I I I think I just sort of wanted to acknowledge it because I see it a lot and I just think you already have a lot of good reasons to set a boundary You don't need that as an additional reason. And and I just think that is where you can kind of cross over from, I get your frustration. I get your concern. I get that this person has hurt you. You have every right to name those experiences and experience like pain and frustration and anger. But man, oh man, when it spills over into, I should be able to decide who does and doesn't get to reproduce. Uh, It just gets ugly and dark really, really fast. And I don't always know how to handle that. I guess is is mostly what I'm saying.
0: Well, it's a, as you said the word eugenics, which I think is the important one. and it's one of those things where a lot of people think that that's something that went away and that we don't have. but it's not true. you know, and I think that when when someone feels really comfortable sort of taking cover in an explanation like that, it is telling. And I think it's like a sign that those sorts of attitudes are alive and well, you know, in many people in our culture, especially with stuff like mass incarceration.
1: Yeah. And especially when you think that like the the ways that, uh, you know, the, the ways of supporting or helping people who deal with addiction that we have set up are pretty much like jail. Occasionally some like, you know, librarians try to have Narcan on hand and help people out. And then, you know, that's kind of it. Like it, 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 it's a cluster. I think it's not just drug addiction causes people to do all of these things. It's that like we have society set up in such a way where there's not a lot of options for support or for help. Um, And I don't want to try to like put a rosy stamp on this. Like if only we could be supportive enough, drug addiction would be fine and easy and harm reduction would just be like stopping at the grocery store on your way home. Um, But I I do think it puts a lot of the burden of, um, you know, a collective crisis on individuals who are suffering um, and often behave badly while they are suffering but are not solely responsible for that suffering does that make
0: sense oh absolutely I think that in America because we've you know we don't have systems that are that are built with compassion and you know the humanity of all kinds of people at the fore we end up with uh, I think in a lot of cases individuals end up feeling like oh this is my bad lot in life now I have to you know in the the case of this of this you know person like oh I have to take on these two kids and now that's you know they're they're really seeing that you know but it's like a lot of Individuals are in, are interfacing with various systems, you know the the prison system, the you know the mental health system, etc. That I think are are not viewing people as being uh, capable of help, you know, like and and a, a kind of a very dispassionate and a very even pessimistic system. And so, you know, when there's kind of family at the periphery of those those situations, they can end up really putting a lot of blame on that one person who they've decided is a problem, and they're not necessarily seeing the fact that well, our entire society hasn't really set up your, you know girlfriend's uh sister and, and her children either and really the children are the people here who who uh, we need to you know like be most careful as we talk about them because they are people they're children they're five and under you know yeah, like yeah. The, the 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 writer here I think has sort of lost that somehow yeah. In in the shuffle,
1: which I think is a good <laughs> signal for me to read the letter. We've done a lot of preface, and our listeners letter. are like, "I don't know what this letter is about." Uh, so here we go. The subject is deal breaker kids. Dear Prudence, my long term girlfriend and I are both in our early forties. Her drug addicted sister has resurfaced for the first time in a decade. She is facing serious prison time and has two children under five, both disturbed with horrible issues. Neither are toilet trained and both are prone to violent behavior. The state is looking to place them with family. Her parents are both disabled with health issues of their own. My girlfriend keeps telling me that she is being, quote, forced to take these kids in and pleads with me to stay with her. I love her like nothing else, but neither of us wanted kids. Based on the few times I have seen these kids, I can't imagine living with them a day, let alone a lifetime. Maybe there is something missing in me, but I won't sign up for martyrdom. I don't want to leave her, especially in this crisis, but I can't stay for my own sanity. So mm. there's a lot here. Obviously, yeah. um, I, I think, as you were saying earlier, uh, I, I I don't want to discount how unhappy and and underparented these little kids have been, but I just think calling a three year old disturbed with horrible issues again, even if that three year old is throwing tantrums round the clock and 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 lashing out. Um, it's just really important to remember: this kid was a baby like five minutes ago. Um, this kid is in pain. This kid is young enough that they're not like trying to make life more difficult for other people. This this child has been harmed in a lot of different ways. Both these children are so they're not not toilet trained to frustrate you. Um, they are not toilet trained because no one has toilet trained them. Um, so again, that doesn't mean you have to now become a parent to those kids. But I just think that that is a much um, better way of of. Thinking about these two children, even if you never see them again. Um,
0: well, there's a real failure of imagination there, right? Like this person is sort of, I, I mean, it seems there's not quite a question being asked, but it seemed like the question is, should I leave my girlfriend over this if she's going to take these children? And the answer in my mind is, yes, yeah. you should leave because you don't want to parent these children and these parent, these children do not deserve you. Like, yeah. I, I, I think that that part of it is very clear to me. But the sort of like the line, um, maybe there is something missing. In me, you know, um, maybe this is an opportunity for you to reflect a little bit on, you know, some of the ways in which perhaps your life has allowed you to uh, think of things like drug addiction in the terms that you do, um, or think of things like prison or criminality in the terms that you do or monstrosity almost you know the way Uh these children are being figured here it's like disturbed with horrible issues violent behavior you know the lack of toilet training which as you point out is a sign of like and all this is a sign of the fact that yeah it seems like these children have been um, under supported perhaps drastically so perhaps they're actually also already survivors of abuse and various trauma, you know, like it, it seems like there's a real lack of compassion um, toward very young children. I mean, these aren't these aren't like teenagers who came over to your house and called you insults or something like these are little kids. So I think, you know, if you end up leaving your girlfriend over this, it's maybe an opportunity not for you to decide, oh, I need to talk myself into being a parent, you know, mm-hmm. like because that's what's wrong with me, but more like what is it about me? that this is how I decided to react to two individuals who are so, so, so not, uh, you know, uh, worthy of such, I think, loathing, you know, as is sort of evident in some of these word choices.
1: Yeah. So I, 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 I'm there with you, too. I think absolutely the right answer is for you to leave. And and I think you know that. I think um, mostly this is kind of a question about like, How do I deal with all of these feelings? And and I I think you deserve to have time and space to think about those things. Um, And I also think that, you know, when you say that your girlfriend says that she feels forced, I, I think I understand the kind of pressure that she is talking about, which is these are her sister's children. And she is in a different position than you are. Like this is her family in a way that even though the two of you have been together for a long time, it sounds like you don't quite think of her family as your family. And she may just not feel able to walk away. I also hope that she has a lot of help and support in her corner right now, whether that be a therapist, a social worker, a lot of friends, both, all three, yeah. to help her figure out if she were to take these kids in, what other help would she need? Because I think that the, the needs here are really high. They need a lot of medical, therapeutic, loving, parental help and support these kids. yeah, And so, you know, if she does decide to do this, she is going to need a village and it, you know, again, especially because you say you never wanted kids, I, I, I really think the you know it would be so much worse if you tried to stick around a little bit and then bailed. So I, I, I think you are right to say, look, I've never wanted children. I'm so sorry that you are in this situation, but I cannot be here for you, and it's better to acknowledge that now. Um, and it, it may be that ultimately she decides, after like careful consideration, that she could not raise these two kids on her own. And that there may be other families who would be better equipped to handle dealing with these kids. It may be that there is not a better alternative. And the other alternative for them is foster care and a lot of uncertainty and a lot of chaos. And that's not a great outcome either. Yeah. Um, But all you can do is kind of ask yourself the question, am I prepared to parent these kids with my partner? It sounds like the answer is absolutely not. And so all you need to do is be honest. If she's angry with you, if she's hurt, if she feels abandoned – You know, that's going to be the cost of getting to get out. Um, I don't think you can try to leave and make sure she thinks well of you. And, And I feel like that's kind of why you wrote this letter, which is like, I love her. I wish I could stay with her. I don't really believe I can talk her out of doing this, but I want her to understand why I'm leaving. And I just, I don't think you can ask for that. I think the most you can ask for in this situation is to maintain your own boundaries and not become a parent.
0: Yeah, and and the word martyrdom was one that gave me I mean I just thought about it for a while because it's like the letter writer has decided that that's what if his girlfriend takes these children in that's what she's doing and I don't think that's fair. I don't think that what she's doing is dis- is is necessarily martyrdom, you know, because as you say like she's under a lot of pressure to take these children and it kind of sounds like she feels like she's up for it. And so back to the point about like hoping that she has a therapist and you know, or support group or friends or all of the above. Like, I really hope so. And I really hope that as she undertakes, you know, to parent these children, supposing that's the way that she goes, that she isn't a martyr, you know, that she's a parent and yeah. she's someone who's committed to these kids. And so I think having having you, the letter writer, around who is like viewing it that way is Definitely not going to help the situation, you know, like I think you you've decided that her deciding to extend this, yeah, big compassionate act like this is a big thing that she would be doing. But that doesn't mean that it's like self-sacrificing in a way that must be read as negative. Because I don't think that's the case. People adopt children within their own families and without their family, you know, like, and that doesn't have to be something that's so selfless as to be reckless, which is, I think, what the letter writer almost views this as.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I go a little back and forth on that one because the letter writer does say neither of us wanted kids and she does feel like she has to do it. Mm -hmm. So, you know. I want to allow that as a possible reading of the girlfriend's description of her current experience. That could change with time. Um, I don't know. I I, I honestly, I I couldn't guess with any certainty, like, if she takes the kids in and gets all the help and support she needs five years from now, she's going to be tired but thriving. (laughs) Or it's going to be a really painful slog. Or there'll be a lot of uncertainty back and forth with their mother. I I really don't know. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I, I think what it just comes down to is you know yourself. You know your own mind. You know that you never wanted to be a parent. All you need to do here is be honest with your partner and, you know, end this relationship. If you feel like there is a limited way in which you would want to remain a a, a periodic source of, like, Logistical or financial support down the road, you might want to consider that because I know you care about her and you otherwise would not want to end this relationship. If you don't think you could commit to that, you certainly don't have to. But, you know, maybe ask yourself that question and and see whether or not there's something there that you'd be willing to do that would not be co-parenting these kids. You might want to offer that. Mm.
0: Yeah. And, and the line, neither of us wanted kids. I guess what I noticed was the wanted and how, you know, that's the kind of thing that can shift. You mm. know, someone can be uh, they, they can think that and then years and years can pass and circumstances can change. And, oh, for example, here's two children that the universe is thrusting at me and someone can decide that they have a different value. He, the letter writer doesn't quite say my girlfriend wants to take these kids. Right. There's that that word forced to take them. But that sort of sounds like a word that she's using. And so it it indicates to me that there's been perhaps a shift in her attitudes towards being a parent, at least given these circumstances, and that that's not necessarily matching the letter writer's feelings. And perhaps that's part of it, too. It's like maybe this, you know, very important value, whether or not you want to be a parent, has changed. And that's actually part of the reason why this relationship isn't going to last. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, uh, you know, all of these are, there's a lot of food for thought here. There's a lot that we've talked kind of around this issue, but the bottom line is yes, if you don't feel prepared to become a parent, it is a very, very good thing to not try to become one. Um, that in itself does not make you a bad or a selfish person. This is a really difficult situation that you did not create. But with all that said, especially because you don't have to do any of this, I would encourage you to rethink some of your attitudes towards, uh, the other people in this situation. Um, And good luck. It's hard, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry for you. I'm sorry for your girlfriend. I'm sorry for the kids. I'm sorry for their mom. It's just hard. Sandy, would you uh, introduce us to the next one?
0: Subject, should they meet? Dear Prudence. I'm a bisexual woman living a few states away from my parents. My parents are extremely liberal, and my mom has many lesbian friends and relatives. We've even been to some of their weddings together. When I came out to her as bi at 15, she brushed it off and we never spoke about it again. About six months ago, I started dating a woman and told my mom about two months in. She reacted badly, which blindsided me. She told me I didn't come out in a way that took her feelings into account because I was aware that her sister's coming out in the 90s had been traumatic for her. My aunt died years ago, but her ex-girlfriends are still close friends of my family, especially my grandparents. However, my mom maintains that her concern is that if I came out to them, I would be rejected, which would hurt both of us. I have told her I have no plans to come out to them anytime soon, as I only see them a few times a year and don't talk to them much. To which she replied, well, you can't stay in the closet. That's no way to live. Since then, any mention I make of my girlfriend is brushed off. I would still love to have her meet my girlfriend, and my girlfriend wants to meet my mom and has repeatedly asked about it, even knowing the situation. I don't even think my mom knows my girlfriend's name. I'm not looking for her instant approval, but I do want to start sharing the, these two parts of my life. Should I suggest to my mom that the three of us have lunch the next time she comes to visit me? Or should I continue to wait until she shows interest in engaging? How can I talk to her about what her real concerns are and why this is so difficult for her? hmm homophobia is a hell of a drug (laughs) yeah I mean
1: like your mom's real concerns are homophobia slash biphobia that's her real concern she's got a prejudice here yeah and she doesn't want to admit it and she wants to offload some of it onto the rest of the family and that's what's happening. That's exactly what's happening. And that's super common with parents, especially, who like to think of themselves as liberal and open-minded. Um, and when they are confronted with the limitations of their open-mindedness, they will work really hard to put that on somebody Oof. else. Like, oh, no, no, it's not me. I just really would hate if your grandma never spoke to you again. And it's just like, yeah, you wouldn't want to help me deal with my grandmother. You wouldn't, you know what I mean? Like.
0: Um. I mean, the part in this letter where the sister, where the mom's sister coming out in the 90s was traumatic for the mom. I was like, why? Yeah. <laughs> what was traumatic about that? Like, it's I mean, it it just seems like the letter writer. I really feel for the letter writer because they're trying really hard to, you know, have have the girl. The girlfriend, meanwhile, is going like, so hey, sweet. what's going on with your mom? Yeah. I want to meet your mom. And, you know, maybe even feeling insecure. Right. Like, oh, I haven't, you know, is, is the relationship serious? I haven't met. The- you know. Yeah. You know and it's like that's that's a real thing and and I get wanting to involve your mom in your life but what your mom has shown you since you came out at fifteen is that she has intolerance here and she's uh that 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 is more important to her than uh accepting you and loving you as a bisexual person you know that that she she might consciously want to believe otherwise but. That's what's going on with her. She's got a bias here. It's a big one. It's a powerful one. It's an emotional one. It appears like it has a big backstory of some kind. But at the end of the day, it's kind of boring. You know, she's decided that if you were dating a man, that would be okay. And because you're in love with a woman, it's not okay. And and that's not okay. And you, as the letter writer, I think, have a real decision to make in terms of. uh, do you want to try to bring your mom along which it seems like you're inclined to want to do but I would just ask you are you sure you know because you're I think trying to sort of tell yourself a story about who your mom is pointing out things like extremely liberal and kind of all these apparent conflict you know contradictions that you've noticed in her in her biography even she's been to these weddings she you know a- apparently has this or that belief but then this is her action she brushed it off she never spoke about it again blah 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 and it's like I do think some Sometimes the the story we tell ourselves about what a prejudice looks like is like oh if if they're homophobic or if they're transphobic for example they're gonna you know throw you out of the house and never talk to you again and blah 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 but in reality a lot of parents who are um essentially you know prejudiced toward their own kids who happen to be gay or bi or trans or whatever like those people are expressing that prejudice in a way that is much more complicated and subtle and not necessarily like throwing your stuff on the curb but it's still really mean-spirited like what you're Mom has done here. Letter writer is mean spirited and it's 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 hurt you, you know. And like, are you going to be able to have a relationship with this person that is rooted in honesty and protecting yourself emotionally, given her behavior? I think that's the question that you kind of perhaps need to step back and ask yourself really soberly. Never mind your girlfriend's, you know, kind of feelings about meeting your
1: mom. Yeah, and and just like that bit about like your coming out didn't take my feelings into account enough is pure nonsense. It's it's hogwash from start to finish. It is the silliest thing I ever did here, and it is dumb. Um, And that's not to say that she's not entitled to whatever complicated feelings she has about her now-deceased sister, but to say you – because it sounds like, by the way – okay, no, no, no. It sounds like she said that to you a couple months ago, not at 15. But, yeah, to say to you, like, you didn't come out to me in a way that, like, took my feelings enough into account is, again, just pure frippery nonsense ridiculous that is not what dealing with your sister's relationship looks like requiring your child to come out to you a second time in a way that's like hey mom how are you doing in your relationship with your sister it's just an absurd (laughs) request to have of anyone so
0: i i i didn't understand whether that was a critique of when the writer came out at 15 or more recently like with the relationship and it seems like in general also part of what's happening here is specifically a bias against you know bisexuality and specifically like sort of refusing to treat that as legitimate and kind of the desire to pretend as if it never even has happened you know before like because i also sort of sense that there's a bit of a almost uh, like a faux amnesia on the part of the letter writer's mother oh yeah mother. and like, that one's such a classic <laughs> of just like yeah i
1: forgot <laughs>
0: And now that you're faced with an actual human being, right, like now that you're now that your child is dating a woman and is trying to tell you that now now you're really having to face those feelings. It's like that's not fair to your child. Your child did come out to you at 15, you know, like that that. That was a huge act for yeah. that, you know, like the letter writer did a huge thing trying to be honest with their parent about this, trying to bring that, you know, like now trying to be like, hey, this is what's going on with me. Like, I think the letter writer is trying very hard, but it does seem important to set aside your sort of wish for what your mother could be and instead try to interface more with the reality of who your mother is. And I mean, this is just my blanket uh, advice for all humans, uh, but. I would seek a therapist. Like I, you know, I do think that this is um, a really uh, tough situation. And like you want someone in your corner here, because especially if this is a a beginning and a real, you know, a real shift for you and your mom and kind of like what that relationship is at at its core. I hope you get a therapist or a support group or a group of friends and or all three, um, you know, who can really help uh, uh, carry you through this, because it seems like this might get more painful, not less. There might not be A lunch with the three of you in the foreseeable future. You know that 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 might not necessarily be the version of this that you get. Um, But that doesn't have to be the end of the world, because on the upside, you might not have to have a relationship with a parent who kind of secretly doesn't actually accept who you are. You know, and that like having a relationship with a parent who is tacitly bigoted against you because you're bisexual, that's not very good. You know, like you don't actually want to have to have to do that. So, you know, it's a really tough juncture to be at. But I i don't know. I, I really I think it's important for you to try to be honest with yourself about your mom's behavior over the all these years, however many years this has been and what it says about what she actually holds in her heart.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And right there. Exactly, like in terms of what can you do with or without your mom's buy-in, you can come out to your extended family, and I think you have reason. to Yeah, come out to your grandparents. Fine, and if it doesn't go fine, it will be better than like holding off on it. It sounds like you were otherwise pretty ready to do it. So um, Yeah,
0: the the thing the mom said that I agree with is you can't stay in the closet. That's no way to live. Um, And so I would say to the letter writer, the only part in this letter that I was worried about was where you sort of concede that you won't come out to your grandparents because you don't see them very often. And it seems like that sort of it's almost like a bargaining chip as you're talking with your mom. And I would say like that doesn't seem fair. Like you can and probably should come out to your grandparents, especially if you have evidence that they're not necessarily going to, you know, uh, react to this very poorly, i.e. that they're still friends with ex-girlfriends of your deceased aunts, you know, like that that that's a sign, you know, and I think that your mom's feelings here are clearly like her first concern, like your mom is really protecting her
1: own feelings here. And your mom's feelings have been driving your behavior since you were 15.
0: Yeah. Like you
1: have. Yeah. I, I don't say this critically, but like you have let your mom. um take up all the space in this conversation. And again, understandably, you were a teenager and she was your mother and she was pushing really hard for it. But like it is you are allowed to now say like um mom, my girlfriend's name is whatever your girlfriend's name is. Um I'm going to talk about her a little bit now. Um I want you to know these things about her. Um and to just start doing that and to say like, "Oh, we went to a really great, you know, party this weekend. Let me tell you about her. We're going to go apple picking or whatever." Um you know, everybody goes apple picking in their first relationship with another woman. I think that's usually pretty, pretty consistent. Oh, yeah. um, Marching orders. Yeah. Yeah. Not everyone. I don't want to universalize. It.
0: <laughs> the, the should I suggest to my mom that the three of us have lunch the next time she comes to visit me? I did want to say, like, the next time she comes to visit you, well... I think you get to have some conversations with her before she just comes to visit you again. You yeah. know, like, I think there's an opportunity here for you to, as you say, like, if you want to continue to give this a shot, um, like give give the mom opportunities to start to tear like steer her own ship in a better direction. Right. And if she's not taking them, she doesn't get to come visit you. That's not some she's not entitled to that. You yeah. know, like this you're an adult and, and this is a- exactly the kind of situation in which you get For the sake of your own uh, mental well-being, emotional well-being, say, you know what, I think for now, like, maybe you don't come visit me. Uh, I'm I'm spending a lot of time with my
1: wonderful girlfriend. Whose name is – fill in the name here. Yep. And same thing with, like (laughs) – Whose name is as follows. Do not wait until your mom gets over this because she never will if you don't push. Um, and do not try to undercover, like uncover what her real concerns are because that just lets her justify her homophobia. It's homophobia. You don't have to argue with that. You just get to let her know, here's some stuff I'm going to tell you about my relationship. I want you to come meet my girlfriend. If you are not willing to do those things, I'm going to come out to the rest of the family anyways and necessarily we will talk less. Because you will be shutting yourself off from a big part of my life for no reason other than homophobia. Call it what it is. If she tries to say, no, 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 it's because of something else, like just stop her right there. Um, It is homophobia. End of list. That's it. She was not so traumatized by her sister coming out badly in the 90s that she now can't handle you having a girlfriend. That's ridiculous. That's just like say that sentence out loud it does not make sense if she needs to work through things about her relationships with her sister she can go to therapy but putting that on her bisexual daughter is absurd yes yeah so good luck enjoy your wonderful girlfriend set good boundaries with your mom do not give quarter to stupid ideas